0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me, quote me this proverb, "Physician, cure yourself, and say, do here in your native place the things we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong that Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. As we celebrate this fourth Sunday in ordinary time, the tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Leo G. Abedin. This Wednesday is the Feast of the Presentation of Our Lord, also known as Candlemas Day. Uh, We will have Mass at the 6 a.m. time as normal. We'll also have a 5.30 p.m. Latin Mass. After both of those Masses, uh, we'll be offering the blessing of candles. So so traditionally on Candlemas Day, we would have a blessing of candles. Uh, so we'll have some candles here, uh, a, few, uh, a few candles that are available for, uh, for donation uh, for you to, to be able to take home. But if you also have candles you would like to bring to be blessed, we'll have a table for those to be set up. Uh, so you'll be able to bring it and set it up there before the Mass. They'll be blessed and you can pick them up immediately following the Mass. On Thursday, we'll have the blessings of the Throats for the Feast of St. Blaise immediately following the 6 a.m. Mass. Next weekend, a parish communication initiative that involves all of our parishioners will be announced. If you do not attend here uh, mass next Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, we invite you to make sure that you pick up a copy of the bulletin, uh, that you can get it online as well next weekend uh, to be able to read it carefully for more information. And lastly, uh, some good news that continues to pour into our parish. Uh, the, uh, the, we were contacted this week, about our cafeteria roof construction project Uh, and we'll be having our pre-construction meeting this wednesday uh, and they anticipate god willing and the weather willing really uh, that we'll be able to start construction on the cafeteria uh, a week from tomorrow Uh, and so it's much sooner than we anticipated the the further off uh the further off uh anticipation of of start of construction and so i ask that you particularly keep that project uh, and its progress in your prayers The readings today, Mother Church gives to us an opportunity to reflect upon the virtue of charity, to be able to reflect upon love. It's given to us in each of the readings an opportunity for us to, to see what is this love that the Lord calls us to. What is it that he has first shown us and then it's us to, right? Love others as I have loved you we recognize that there are a couple of different types of love. There's the, the love that is more of a, a sort of infatuation, a, a love that is uh, mostly emotion and not so much conviction. And then there is the, the love of conviction that may be accompanied by emotion, there may be a positive feeling there, but is not necessarily the case, but rather it is a conviction, a, a decision of the will to act. We see these two uh, examples of uh, four incidents in the Gospel in our first reading in the gospel, we have the people who are there listening to our blessed Lord in his hometown. It's a continuation of last weekend's gospel passage wherein our Lord went to the synagogue as his normal, as a normal procedure was. Uh, he went there and was given the scroll of Isaiah and found the passage where it talked about uh, a time of blessing coming, a time of peace, namely that the Messiah was to arrive. And he said, as we pick up today and concluded last week and pick up today, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. He's telling them that the time has come, you know, and, and, and essentially telling them that, that he is the Christ, the one they've been waiting for. A shocking thing, certainly. But the people seem to receive it Well, As our Lord speaks about these things, because it was customary, just the same as as we do here, there are lessons, you know, the the readings uh, that we offer, and then a a sermon or a homily that follows to kind of expound upon it. Certainly our Lord read from Isaiah and then said this and then prophesied, spoke some more words, began to teach and to to reflect upon these things in a public manner. So these people are listening to these words that come from our Lord, and as it tells us, they all spoke highly of him. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They were in awe. Isn't this wonderful? Jesus, the one from the, the hometown son, or the, the, the one from, from right here, right down the street, he's coming, he's, he's saying so many wonderful things. And yet we know we've heard, we've heard how incredible the works he's been doing elsewhere. Surely he's going to do some exciting things today. We're very excited about all of this. They want to follow Jesus, they, they, want, to, they want to pursue they want to, to be with him and be in his presence. But it's a very fickle love that they have for him, and if we can call it really love at all. It was an excitement, a sort of an infatuation with the things that Jesus was doing and saying. But as soon as he finishes his teaching, which, which, with which all the people are absolutely enthralled and excited and, and filled with anticipation, you can, you can see him that, okay, he's done teaching, now here comes the show. He's going to cast out demons. Miracles are going to happen. It's going to be beautiful. The Lord, we can, we can understand it because the Lord tells us exactly this, and he, he, he's able to read the hearts. He says, surely now you're going to tell me, physician, cure yourself, and do here in the native place the things that we've heard were done in Capernaum. Show us something. Show us your works. Do your magic in a sense. Work your miracles. But our Lord tells them, in no uncertain terms, that he can't. He can't do any of these things. It was, not in the, it was not in the will of the Father, really. What we can understand is that he can't do it because they won't allow him. Their faith is not strong enough to be able to believe and therefore to, to receive the miracles. Their love for him is not strong enough to stay committed and to pursue him, to remain with them. And so he tells them, that he can't work the miracles that they are certainly expecting. And in just a moment's notice, they all begin to look at each other, presumably murmur in their hearts, become entirely frustrated with our blessed Lord, and he whom just a few moments ago, they were speaking high of him, and, and just, re- just rejoicing in his gracious words, ooing and aahing at this 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 son from, from among their community, and immediately their response is, kill him. Let's take him to the, to the edge of the town, throw him off the cliff. He doesn't deserve this. We deserve better than this. We deserve miracles. He's done it everywhere else. The love that they had was a very self-centered love. It was a rather superficial love. A fickle love that very often is is a kind of present in human hearts, where we, we love the, the, the experience of a thing, we love the excitement of a thing, the anticipation of a thing, but whenever the reality comes to us, it can sometimes be a bit bitter, and the thing that we thought was love in, in, the, in the front end turns out to be self-interest. It falls away, it goes away, and then the reality is able to be seen. There was no love for the Lord in the people's hearts that day. And they manifested it. Just after our Lord told them, in no uncertain terms, that he couldn't do anything, they immediately rebel and revolt and seek to murder the man. There is nothing of charity in their hearts, only malice. On the other end of things, we can see a love that is not so fickle, is not so much a a positive feeling for a moment, a fascination with things, but rather is a love that is willing to go to great lengths and to be able to bear many sufferings for the doing of the thing. In Jeremiah, the great prophet, we have the one who, who hears those blessed words that, you know, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. He's speaking to Jeremiah, the Lord God, and, and telling him, I have a mission for you. I have known you from birth. I have, I have consecrated you from the womb. You are mine, and there is a mission for which you have been claimed. You are to go forth, and you are to tell the people all the things that I say to you. Don't hold anything back. Don't censor the message. Don't, be, don't try to, to, to make it to, you know, to kind of sweeten things up so, that they, so they don't get so upset with you. Give them the words that I give you, and trust me. You will be persecuted, but you will not be crushed. They will hate you, but the victory will be mine in the end." It's with these words that Jeremiah goes forth. He's willing to go and to bear the the burden of being a prophet, to bear the burden of going to speak the word of the Lord, which at that time were not good things. It was tragedy. It was calamity. It was a call to repentance. It was darkness. It's as if everywhere Jeremiah went, there was just a black cloud hanging over his head and everyone hated to see his presence. And when he spoke the word of the Lord, there was anger, just as we see the anger against Christ. Numerous times he was beaten, he was cast out, he was imprisoned, all because he wanted to simply to do the will of the Father. To would able to speak the words that were given to him as they were given to him. This is love. This is love that is willing to, to go and to bear the burdens for the good of the other, for the desire for God's blessing upon the other. This is what true love is. Not so much a, a feeling or a, an experience, but rather it is a decision. It is a choice. It is an act of the will. Who St. Thomas Aquinas called it. He said, love is to will the good of the other as other. To will the good. Not simply to to feel it, but to will it, to choose it. And then namely, to do something about it. To will something is not just to to kind of have a a, a nice thought. It's to have a plan. To move and to proceed in a particular and concrete way of, of how is this love, how is this charity to be carried out? we can see how easy the transition can happen or the the reality saint paul speaks of this uh, of as he was a when he was a child he thought as a child spoke as a child reasoned as a child And in the same manner we can think and understand that that uh, although children certainly have a a great love for parents then then also we can sometimes perceive love to be something more of an emotional thing rather than a a deep uh, commitment of generosity of self i remember when i was a youth my when I thought my first experience of love for a beautiful young lady who moved in down the street, I was absolutely infatuated. It wasn't really love, but I thought it was love. It was everything that I thought in my, whatever, eight, nine, ten-year-old brain thought love was supposed to be. And I expressed this love by getting my bicycle, making sure it was nice and clean, and riding up and down the streets uh, to show off on my shiny bicycle in front of her house so I could show her that I was, that I was attentive to her, that I, that I liked her. Know, that I was that I was expressing affection for her, and maybe that, that in, 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 the, in the show, all right that she would express affection for me, that she would love me in some particular way, and this was love. My parents were rather frustrated when I started to write, I love, her name, on all kinds of things, including my bedroom door, and they were like, Brent, what are you doing, right? This wasn't love, this was, this was uh, the emotions of love, right? These are feelings, and certainly they can be a good thing. It's a good thing whenever we experience uh, the emotions of love. Certainly this is, is also part of the normative experience in relationships. If you didn't have some kind of uh, emotional attraction to the person that you're dating or that you're married to, I kind of wonder what happened to the front end. How did you actually end up spending time together? You know, if, if you weren't attracted to each other, you know, how did you stay there? Right? And that would be a question that I would have, really. And so it's, it's normative to, to have these, these feelings of attraction, the, the, the feeling, the emotional, the sense the sensible uh, experience of things. But as a relationship continues to grow and increase, and as we as individuals grow and increase in our understanding and our wisdom and maturity, our love so must increase and grow, not simply to be one of shiny bicycles and the popped wheelies, but rather of generosity of self, to be able to, to give of self, even when it costs something, and especially when it costs something. It's then that love truly is made clear. It is tested. It is proven. It is shown and manifest. In a similar way, we have a relationship like this with our blessed Lord. Oftentimes, whenever we come first to our, to our gift of faith, whether it's on account of conversion or reversion or a, a sort of new Pentecost, the Holy Spirit uh, stirs up something within us where we come to faith, we come alive in the faith in a particular moment, there can be a sensible experience of God a felt presence. When we go to prayer, and it is all consolation, where praying feels incredibly good. We can go to sacrament of, of confession and, and experience, we can feel the mercy of God. We can feel His love coming down upon us. When we go to pray, again, it can very often be a, a sensible thing, a very consoling, enjoyable, delightful thing. But as we continue in the spiritual life, it's a necessity that these things will begin to fall away, at least for, for times here and there. It is normative that at some point we would go to confession and we would not feel that emotional, strong, intense feeling of the mercy of God. It would become maybe a, a more normal or dry experience. It is normative for us to go and to, to have our life of prayer, and as we're continuing to, to grow in our life of prayer and praying at the mass and praying the rosary and our devotions and meditational readings, that as we sometimes are, are in the midst of these things, that they will kind of lose the fire, it seems. But it's not as exciting. We can sometimes even be concerned by it, that to think that we've done something wrong or that, God, that, we, that, we, that we did something uh, and, and God doesn't love us as much anymore because we don't feel His love as much anymore. And we can have concerns about these things, but all it is is really our Lord is kind of allowing us to uh, to allowing to to pull back a little bit um, in those in the sense of things and the feeling of things, so as to be able to test us and to see whether our love is for Him or for the feeling of Him. There's a distinction. And here too, again, love is chosen, is to be able to persevere in these things. All the saints and all the spiritual writers of the church will acknowledge this fact that there, there comes times where there are difficulties in prayer, where there, where there is a dryness in prayer, where these things will, will not feel the same. And it's then that we must choose to follow our Lord. We must choose to persevere in prayer and make an active a will to love Him, to follow Him, even when we may not feel like it. It would be a poor spiritual life to always respond to God or to follow God, depending upon how we feel that day, is very shaky ground. And so it's understandable for us. We can recognize and reflect upon these ways in which our blessed Lord comes and draws us in relationship to him, to deepen that love for him, as well as to be able to offer that same love to uh, one's spouse, to one's parents, to one's children, to those who are closest to us, whether friends, family, But the reality is that there is not simply an invitation for us in the gospel to love the people that you love and that are close to you. Our Lord says to love everyone, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love as we also have been loved. So there's a great call for us also to allow our love to be something that is to every single person around us, every last one. And here I think is one of the great challenges that we can wrestle with is how is it that we love these individuals who may be around us? Again, we can take a cue from St. Thomas to will their good. And what is the highest good that we can ask for anyone? Namely, closeness to God. For God's will to be done in their life. And so there's this reality that whether whoever the person might be is always we can pray for them. Whoever it is. Sometimes we may get uh, maybe uh, frustrated with things that are happening in the government, things happening in the church, things that are happening in our workplace, things that are happening in school, things that are happening in whatever grocery store we happen to go to that day. All these things can be taking place around us, and yet we are called to love those who happen to be around us. We can pray for even the person who is passing us by on the interstate, presuming that they can go 95 safely in a 60 and all will be well, much to everyone's confusion and frustration around them. As one may be swerving in and out between vehicles, it's a good thing to be concerned for them and to be concerned for the people around them. It's a good opportunity, rather than to be able to curse somebody or to be able to, uh, to, wish, you know, to wish evil upon them or these kinds of things, to be able to, to pray for them. Lord, clearly they are, they are in a hurry, and I know not why, but bless them, keep them safe, and keep everyone around them safe, thy will be done, and to be able to pray for them in that, in that manner. We can do this in, in, you know, across all walks of life, in every place that we find ourselves, and whatever situation where something uh, comes to, to, to disturb us, uh, it is for us to be able to manifest love, rather than all the other things that can be manifest in vice. It is to love them, to will their good, to pray for them. An opportunity for us, I think, this week is to be able to take the words of St. Paul as he wrote to the Corinthians and to use them as a, an examination of conscience on the quality of our love. To be able to look at our relationship with our Lord first and foremost, and then with those who are closest around us, and then to all the other people who happen to cross paths with us during the course of the day, and to be able to question ourselves, whether we had towards them a disposition of patience, of kindness, to ensure that we were lacking and, and we were not lacking, and, or there were rather, that our love was not jealous, that we were not pompous, that we were not inflating, that we were not rude, that we were not self-seeking, that we were not quick-tempered, that we didn't brood over injury, that we didn't rejoice over wrongs, that we were willing to bear things, believe things, hope, and endure things in Christ. It's a wonderful, concrete thing, although beautifully, it's often read at weddings, and so it's, a, you know, it's, it's nice that we apply it in married life, but, but what St. Paul is saying isn't just for married couples with one another, and then we can be rude and ill-tempered and self-seeking and all kinds of things with everyone else. That would be foolish. It would be absolutely wrong. He says we must have love. We can have all kinds of spiritual gifts. We can be able to to do all kinds of things. We can do tremendous things for the kingdom of God. But if we do not have love, we are nothing, we gain nothing. We must have love above all of these things. And it's this that our Lord invites us to receive. And we can receive it here at this Mass. Every single Mass is a, a representation presentation a making present once more, the sacrifice of our Lord at Calvary and the gift of Himself at the Last Supper. It is that gift where our blessed Lord comes and He manifests His love for us, that love that was not a, a, a felt and sensible love as He hung up on the cross, but a willingness to do the will of the Father, to say yes to the cross, and to be allowing us to participate in the life of heaven. It's that love that is offered here and is given to us as well in the Eucharist as God is love and he comes to us in his flesh and his blood to be our strength, to be our encouragement, to be the medicine for our soul that is able to be the remedy for all the other vices that may be present there and to seek to cast them out, to root them out and there in place to sow his love, to sow his charity and therefore to bear much fruit within us. As we offer these great mysteries, this Holy Mass, is for us to give gratitude to God for the love he has first shown to us. To pray that we might receive that love once more here today, that it may bear fruit within us, but that we too might be able to go forth and to show love to every person he sets before us, looking forward to the day where that love is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven.